Good morning, witches and other cottage folk. Welcome back to Make Peace Cottage. Dawn is lighting the cloudy eastern skies as the still mostly full moon slips away in the west. It's a misty, drizzly morning in the northern Ozark, and I'm recording from my front porch. The chickens are clucking and crowing, cows are mooing from the neighboring farms, and a lingering night breeze rattles leaves that, while still green, are already beginning to dry. Look around. The fire dragon that lives down south has made his last circle of his hills and valleys, so the wrens and robins and blue jays have begun their morning chorus. A lone lumberjack far in the distance has begun chopping trees, already preparing for winter's eventual freeze, and his tall, dire wolf is alert nearby. Change is definitely in the air, but for now, come on inside. We've got pancakes on the griddle, coffee perking in the pot, and apple cobbler for second breakfast a little later in the morning because, well, why not? Next week is autumn, after all. I'm so happy that you've stopped by to have a bit of a chat with me, Hester Makepeace, the Cottage Witch. Hey, witches and cottage friends. Did you just hear Butterscotch bark? She's growing so fast and finding her own place and voice in our household. I just created an Instagram account, which is such a leap for me. If you've been listening to either of the first two seasons of The Cottage Witch, you know technology is a challenge. But this week, I'm now going to attempt to add at least three pictures of Percy, Butterscotch, and the chickens, and maybe one or two of a more witchy bent as well to my currently empty Instagram account. No promises, except that I will try. Mostly because I want you to see Butterscotch's cute little palm puppy face. My youngest child, Moss, will hopefully have their magical fingers in my social media and homepage in another month or two as well. I'll keep you posted. Also, today is Tuesday, September 13th, and for the last year or more, I have taken back the number 13, embracing its empowering mystical associations and letting go of the scary or unlucky connotations that it usually has. After all, there are 13 lunar cycles in a calendar year, not just 12 like the months. And traditionally, 13 witches are in a coven. Also, donuts. 13 donuts make a baker's dozen, meaning one more than 12 added in for free. I'm not all alone in this, by the way. Modern day witches commonly consider 13 to be a lucky number. For example, I stir my coffee 13 times clockwise for the luck, often using the cinnamon stick for extra flavor too. I may count to 13 as I fill a glass of juice. I will also try to work in 13 stitches before I turn or otherwise alter any sort of mending or fiber craft. And I like making beaded jewelry where 13 beads can make a lovely section or pattern. For me, the number 13 has become a tiny magical charge. In fact, I think 13 carries very lucky energy. You could smile and greet a black cat that crosses your path. In fact, I think that's just the decent thing to do. And stop worrying about the number 13. Instead, incorporate it into your life with a welcoming attitude. It's just another way to celebrate your witchy sensibility. 
Another great way to do exactly that is by paying attention to the lunar. Okay, let's look at some earthy research, and I'm going to weave in my own ideas too as we go. First off, let's take a quick stop at Wikipedia. Earth is one of the four classical elements in ancient Greek philosophy and science. It was commonly associated with qualities of heaviness, matter, and the terrestrial world, meaning our planet Earth. That hasn't changed very much. In alchemy, Earth was believed to be primarily dry and secondarily cold. We'll talk about that a little bit later, and that's per Aristotle. Beyond those classical attributes, the chemical substance salt was also associated with Earth, and its alchemical symbol, which is a downward-pointing triangle bisected by a horizontal line just going straight through it, continues to be the sigil for the modern representation of the element of Earth. Now I'm going to flip to another one of my favorite books. I think I've referred to it before, which is The Solitary Witch by Silver Ravenwolf. It's an oldie, copyrighted 2005, and mine's pretty much from 2005, but you can still buy new editions of it. It's subtitled The Ultimate Book of Shadows for the New Generation. I will tell you that it's over 600 pages long, and it's a great compendium. It's got all sorts of everything in it. Silver Ravenwolf also talks about the elements, which, by the way, the elements of earth, air, fire, and water are not only physical, but they also contain a spiritual essence, she explains. Paracelsus, a Swiss physician, chemist, and a philosopher from the early 1500s, is credited with the doctrine of the four elements, from which then early 19th century, 1800s, occult practitioners drew the belief that an element is not only physical, but also contains a spiritual essence. Almost everything in the craft, from the tools we use to the herbs we employ, to the sigils we design, zodiac associations, and planetary alignments we follow, fits into the ancient and medieval elemental category of the primary elements. This, by the way, is coming from Solitary Witch by Silver Ravenwolf. She continues, Earth is the universal archetype of the divine feminine. Our planet is fondly called Mother Earth, the Great Mother and Gaia, among many others. She represents the inexhaustible spirit of creation and is associated with abundance. When we work with Earth, not only are we calling the great expanse of our planet, its mountains, caves, minerals, and deserts, but we are also invoking her support and massive strength. From her emerges hidden treasure, and she is the proof that material things can be manifested from the divine. The earth gives all living things the space and minerals they need to grow. So when we call earth into our circle as we stand at the north quarter, we are inviting the living essence of our planet to join us in our celebrations and our magic. We are asking that this energy lend its aid to the work we are doing. When we ask for blessings from the North, we are envisioning abundance, stability, protection, and room to grow in a positive way. Throughout the history of magic, the element of Earth has been associated with a variety of deities, spirits, and angels. You can use what you like as long as you remember the underlying basic. Earth is Earth is Earth. 
We can use a lot of breath with long invocations and draw exquisite, complicated sigils and dress it up all we want. But it's Earth has many associations. I'm just going to try to highlight the essentials. First of all, it's three zodiac signs are Capricorn, Taurus, and Virgo. Its color associations are yellow or green, any shade of brown, gray like stones, and also the reds and oranges of autumnal change. The Wiccan tool most associated with Earth is the pentacle, but also the cauldron. Some pretty famous deities here include the Earth Mother herself from many mythologies and religions. From Egypt, you also have Bast and Isis. From the Greeks and Romans, we've got Flora and Hestia, who are female, but also Pan, who is male. Norse practitioners might follow Frigga, Nana, or the She-Wolf. And in Celtic tradition, the Kaliak, Magog, or Rosmerto. There are three ways to work with any of the elements in magic. Mentally, by using visualization techniques astrally by using the energy of the thing, and physically using the element through the five senses, hearing, touching, seeing, tasting, and smelling representations of the element. Many times magical people will combine all three techniques in one spell. For example, in a standard ritual, the witch may place a bowl of salt, the physical, at the north quarter along with a green or brown candle that helps provide a mental and astral link by the action of lighting the candle. Witches might also just form pictures of the earth and earth energy mentally in their mind. The witch might think of a big mountain, a dense forest, a rolling field, or a deep protect. When magical people speak, one of those keywords commonly associated with earth, strength, stability, treasure, bounty, protection, and so on. The link between that individual and the element is forged. And practice will even make this visualization stronger, which will in turn then give the witch far more successes than failures in their magical workings. Spell work involving any element often uses all three manifestations of that element. For example, let's say we wanted to unearth a problem. We could literally dig a hole in the ground during spell work and ask that the information or problem be exposed to the right people who will in turn assist us in solving the difficulty. With the help of the physical action of digging, the mental visualization of the unearthing and the request of Earth's energy to move the spell along, astral work, we are using the element of Earth in all three manifestations. If we need prosperity, we might call on the gnomes, those are the earth elementals, to help bring money to us. To do this, we could find a little gnome statue, place a gold coin or paper money under him, and ask the elemental to go out and search for and bring back the amount we need. Not only is the gnome figurine a physical representation, but it is also an astral one, as on the astral plane, Gnomes represent the elemental manifestation of earth. Again, we are using all three forms of the element. When using earth energy, many witches will bury items for the following reasons. 
as a gestation period. Seeds can be planted with an associated wish. As the plant grows, so the wish moves to completion. Or as a dispelling action. Empower an egg to take on a physical illness or problem, then bury it off your property. As the egg rots, so the problem disintegrates. Deeper and longer lasting than the grave is a saying with some real meaning behind it. Burying things on your property is used to keep things, and burying something off your property sends something away. Both applications stem from folk magical operations and can be found throughout the world in various cultures. Also in spells, salt, dirt, and herbs can be added to the workings to reach the desired effect. Salt of the earth cleanses and is considered a general purifier. Talking about salt of the earth truly reminds me of the earth's powerful and innate ability to quite literally ground us, to pull us back down to reality and practicality when we've been using high-flying air energy, floating water energy, or maybe fire energy that's just a little too sizzling. If you feel disconnected or out of sorts, try using earth energy to reconnect with your physical self, nature, and the more mundane aspects of your life. Sometimes you have to step back from the woo, finish a spell, close a ritual, climb out of your headspace. Earth energy, activities, and meditations will get you there every time. Hey, my Missouri and Illinois witches and supernaturally adjacent folk. Archon is the Midwest's premier science fiction and fantasy event, and it's happening in just two and a half weeks in Collinsville, Illinois. That's about 15 minutes east of downtown St. Louis. It is a celebration of the imagination for more than 2,000 attendees every year and happens on the first weekend of October, which is from Friday, September 30th to Sunday, October 2nd this year, 2022. It's at the Gateway Convention Center right off of Interstate Highway 5570. It's very easy to get to. Archon features a wide variety of panels and their programming is broken into tracks to help guide attendees. Full programming tracks include artists and authors, crafts, fans, costuming, science, gaming, you name it. If it's about science fiction or fantasy or alternative life and living, Archon's got it. The schedule is published on the main website, archonstl.org. That's A-R-C-H-O-N-S-T-L dot O-R-G. And I am scheduled as a participant in four different panels this year. The first, titled Black Sheep Relating to the Mundanes, is at 7 p.m. Friday evening, the 30th of September. We'll be discussing how we somewhat unusual folk manage to live and work amongst air quote normal people. As a teacher in both Catholic schools and public schools and a person who lives out in the Bible Belt of the Midwest, I can say that it can be a fine dance at times, but I've managed it fairly well for over 30 years now. The second immediately follows that first one. At 8 p.m. on Friday, I am very excited to take part in the panel discussion titled Familiars, Spirit Animals, 
Sometime either Friday or Saturday night, I also hope to spend many hours LARPing, which is live action role playing. If you're there, you can LARP right along with me. I am definitely a gamer, and a good LARP is probably my favorite type of game out of all of them. On Saturday, my third panel will be Guides on the Path at 1 p.m. This focuses on great teachers we've had and how they have influenced us. As a newly retired teacher and current instructional coach, I'm going to talk about the current teacher crisis too and how we are working to help those young people teach better, feel more supported, find help easier, and stay in the profession. Finally, Creative Control and Self-Publishing is at 3 p.m. on Saturday. My contribution here will very likely be about jumping right into podcasting and learning as you go. I'm pretty sure I'm the only podcaster on the panel, so I'll do some representing and talk about all sorts of behind-the-scenes details. In order to attend, you have to have a membership to the convention. That's $75 for adults at the door for a whole weekend of gaming, cosplay, and a massive masquerade, an amazing lineup of programming, mind-blowing original artwork for sale and an auction, and a huge dealer's room of arcane and woo stuff. But they also have memberships that go down as low as $20 or so. Depending on your age, they favor very young people. So if somebody's 20 years old or younger, they're going to get a much reduced rate. But also, if you just come for one day, it's $35 or $40. Not a bad deal. I volunteer my time and expertise as so many others do. So I'm making no money for this ad or my appearance at the con. It's just a really good time. Come if you can. We'd love to see you. It's Archon 45 this year, and it's my own 35th year and Button's 40th. So you know it's got my vote for one of the best conventions around. I hope to see you there. If you see me, come up and say hello. I'll have on a name tag that says Hester Makepeace. Some of the following information on grounding comes directly from Paige Curtin's online article dated January 26th, 2021, titled Get Grounded, How to Ground Your Energy. And it's from the Witch House website, spelled Witch House, W-I-T-C-H-H-A-U-S, like the German word for house, and it's all one word. But it's also good for a mundane, common case of jumpy nerves and scattered thoughts and really anything in between those two extremes. The process of grounding is quite personal and likely feels different for everyone because it's all about your own earthiness and how you feel in your body, as well as your own energy, and when it can feel problematic for you. You probably do know that feeling, but it can be tough to access it, especially in extra stressful times, which is really when you need it the most. When you think about grounding, I want you to think of the literal image that comes to mind. Obviously the ground, right? And ground generally means outside because when we mean inside, we say floor. So grounding must be related to the earthy soil and salt. When we talk about grounding our energy, we don't necessarily mean sending it down to the literal floor under our feet, but we very well might. We also might mean anything about our aura, the light and air and energy surrounding ourselves. By absolutely sending all that intrusive or extra energy down through all the layers of the earth to the fiery center of our planet, its heart. The earth is a recycler and cleanser. 
water is always purified in the earth, cleansed from the point that it was dumped onto the ground by rain or buckets or whatever, and then makes its way through many feet and layers of earth. The earth knows exactly what to do with that water safely, and it also knows what to safely do with our excess churned up or just used and no longer needed energy too. When you send your energy down to the ground, it's not just stagnating down there. It's being transformed by going through layers. So why do we do this? To be very, very basic about it, your energy is your mood. It's your vibe. It's where your mind has wandered to. It's when you get goosebumps or nervous sweats or happy tears. If you really focus inward, I bet you can feel your energy even now. Ungrounded energy can feel fluttery, racing heart, butterflies in the tummy, wandering thoughts. Noticing your energy is the first step to grounding. And the more you practice that, the better you'll get at tuning in. If you're one of the folks who feel grounded by listening to this podcast, and I hear this a lot, it is likely because I have some of that stable crone energy and also a lot of acceptance that I literally try to share with you. That's grounding. And likely you feel calm as you listen, whether you are driving, going about your daily tasks, sitting in a comfy recliner, or lying on the floor. Make Peace Cottage is a pretty well-grounded location. But it's not that we don't have any energy, whether we're grounded or not. We always have energy, and that's a good thing. Your energy is the first line of defense for how you move through the world. You know that phrase about sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me? Well, words do hurt and heal, and it all has to do with your energy. Ever feel like someone's words just punched you in the gut? They basically punched your energy, your solar plexus to be specific, which is located right there in the gut. Bad energy lingers. Anyone who keeps up with the news knows that for sure. But it's not always only about the bad stuff. Sometimes when we're really excited for something, it can also be tough to stay in the present moment while we wait. Those are times when grounding your energy can help you better function in the world. It sort of eases our way, keeps us on track, and helps us maintain balance. Furthermore, grounding your energy into your space can be helpful for drawing firm boundaries about who gets your energy and when. It can help you feel safe and supported instead of untethered or easily dragged about by others. For folks who don't have a safe physical space to call home, or for anyone working through trauma and experiencing triggers, Grounding can be a way of finding a safe place inside yourself as you navigate the situation. So how can we do it? Lots of us are very uncertain about how this can work or how to go about it, but it is often one of the simplest of simples, my cottage folk. There are numerous methods for grounding, and most of them don't even require materials, at least nothing beyond your own self and a moment of stillness. Here are some suggestions. Take a deep, deep inhale through your nose and hold it for a moment. Then exhale through the mouth or nose, your call, until all of your air is out. Ideally, this will be much longer than you inhaled. Do this as many times as you need to to feel present. Maybe like three times or five or seven. You're the witch. Here's another way. Place both feet or hands firmly on the ground and focus on each of the four corners of your palms 
or souls in turn. Get yourself feeling as steady as possible by focusing on your foundation. I tend to sit yoga style or crisscross applesauce, if you will, with my legs crossed in front of me. I put my hands down on the floor on each side of my hips and feel connected to the earth by my feet, my legs, my buttocks, and my hands. This is how I feel the most grounded. But with practice, you can do this by just standing and anywhere on the floor or soil or pavement. I can feel the roots of my body flowing out of the soles of my feet straight down into the ground that is always under us at some depth. When I feel those roots leaving my feet, I know I am beginning to ground. When that happens, I connect with the mother of all, Mother Earth, and she receives me. How might you do this even in the midst of a crowd, in a city, or even in a pool of water? And in hundreds of ways, there's no real limit. Here are a few more examples. Take a bath or a shower and clean yourself from the top of your head down. Focus on sending that unneeded or uneven energy down with the water. Or take a few deep breaths and picture a ball of light at the base of your spine. Use your mind powers to picture it spinning and spinning, gathering up any loose energy, like spinning cotton candy into a bundle, and then push it down, down, down into the ground. You may want to do this for each of your limbs or chakras, starting from the top and moving down. To ground yourself into your space, sprinkle salt across the floor and spend a few moments picturing it glowing with a rainbow light, connecting with your own light and drawing down any unwelcome energy. When you're finished, sweep up the salt and either throw it away or throw it out of doors. In fact, you can turn any activity that requires some of your concentration into a grounding ritual can help you focus and ground your own energy. Brushing your hair can ground you. Journaling, gardening, cooking, anything that both sings to your soul and keeps you tethered in the present moment will do. Light a candle, preferably one you have nestled into a clay pot platter or a ceramic bowl filled with a half inch or so of potting or backyard soil and fix your gaze on the flame as you picture the whole earth all the way down to its fiery core. If it's a scented candle, take deep breaths and immerse yourself in both its earthy or floral smells and its warmth. Let that excess energy just flow through the candle, down into the earth's layers, all the way down to the fiery core until it is consumed and commingled and eventually recycled by the earth. Those are all ways we've used the other elements to combine with earth to help us be grounded. When we talk about your rainbow light, that's air. When we talk about that candle, that's fire. And when you're in the shower, that's water. To put earth back to earth, hold a grounding crystal during any of these activities to call in extra support. Darker colored stones tend to be the most grounding, but black tourmaline and smoky quartz are common favorites. A rock from outside works too, though, especially granite, which can be found pretty much everywhere. 
I'm a fan of humming so that I can feel the rumble of it throughout my torso or drumming as I sit on the ground for drumming. You can use an actual drum if you have one or just your palm on the earth or a box or a coffee can with or without the grounds and just follow your own idea of a calming meditative like even hypnotic pattern of drumming. You really cannot do this wrong. I've decoupaged my own coffee can with craft papers and leaves that just sing the concept of earth for me. And I filled it with dirt and rocks from my own yard and my daughter's yard and also sand and rocks from the riverbanks of two of my favorite swimming holes and mossy soil from the woods in which I love to walk. Oh, and chunks of discarded bark and small twigs from the great guardian oaks that lie in the land where I walk my dogs. There's also room for more, should any other piece of earth further inspire me. Finally, YouTube has plenty of earth energy meditations. I like to just pick one, kick back, and listen. Okay, they're not all great, but many of them really are. And exploring and finding new ones are part of the fun. Just pick, click, and relax. Go with it if it's good, or pick the next one on the list if it's not. Likely you'll find an author or narrator that you like and will be able to come back for more of their soothing content. Next week, we're going to talk about all things Mabon, the Wheel of the Year Harvest Festival, which happens on the autumnal equinox, which is next Thursday, September 22nd this year. It's about being grateful, harvesting the earth's bounty, and balancing your energy. We started with the earth this week. Next week, we'll go to the harvest based on the earth, and officially turn the corner to head for Halloween. My witches, Samhain is just six or seven weeks away. Before we go, let's have a quick card pull from the Green Witch Tarot. This is the Five of Pentacles, or the Five of Coins. One of the common elements depicted in this card is poverty in the presence of plenty. Often there's a spiritual image of hope nearby, but what is similar between decks is the wintry scene. The implication is normally of being left out in the cold or that as snow covers things, matters are hidden now that are going to bring about a change in the near future. Just as there is a dormant time for seeds, there is one for a current situation. While things are difficult at the present or money is tight, that is about to change. You just have to hold on until the time is right. So its meaning is really about the fact that prosperity and rewards lie ahead. You may have unexpected expenses and temporary material instability, but a negative trend will be reversed in time. Hidden opportunities will come. You may feel isolated or have obstacles or financial worries. You may be overextended but hope is on the way. Well, hope is here right now. Help is on the way. Fives always signify change and often loss. Pentacles signify the material world. So this card absolutely represents the possibility of hardship or a crisis, but it also represents hope for the near future. I'm hoping this card has something for you too. But for the make peace women right now, this is spot on or people still working in the education system. Brand new teachers, and Charlotte is one of them, start work 
in very early August. Don't get paid until the end of September. It's a rough five or six weeks without a paycheck. And then they get used to the monthly cycle of pay. So that's going on with Charlotte right now. And for Button and I, we're just getting used to retirement income and changing our living accordingly. So this card truly does fit the make peace folk. If it fits you too, pay attention to that light at the end of the tunnel and you're getting close. Hang on. Also, the five of pentacles doesn't need to mean only money. It could be about losses with people, a friendship or a lover, for example, or perhaps about a job or any favorite activity. For me, for the next 10 days, it's about money. For you, it could be about any sort of painful loss that has reversal or replenishment on the horizon. Oh, hey, you all. I forgot to say, I've added one poll question with a multiple choice answer somewhere. Look around, you should see it. It's just about Maybon and Thanksgiving and how do you celebrate harvest? If you get a second, it'll help inform some of the content for next week's show. Thanks. Well, that concludes this week's episode. It went by so fast, but it's a long one. Thanks for listening. And I will see you again next Tuesday for Maybon and the Autumnal Equinox. Remember that all books and websites and material that I referenced are available at the bottom of the show notes. And, oh, if you would like to support the podcast, please consider writing us a nice review if you are enjoying what you're listening to with maybe four or even five of those shiny stars that would be great if you can toss a little money into the financial pot you can go to anchor.fm and become a supporter of this podcast for just 99 cents a month every little bit helps and for even a little bit more you can buy me a coffee the link is in the show notes too i'm a little too proud of those show notes don't you think Thank you so much for joining us. As always, I enjoy you stopping by to chat with me, Hester Makepeace, the Cottage Witch. Merry meet and merry part and have a blessed week.